Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi guys, today we're speaking with a tech founder and one of Forbes Asia's 30 under 30, Madhvi Shankar. In this episode, Madhvi will speak about going abroad to discover who she was and what she wanted, finding a global business partner, and launching a student housing-focused software solution to assist educational institutions. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Madhvi. How are you today? Hi, I'm well. How are you? So good. And you are calling in from pretty far away. Do you want to tell the listeners where you are? Yeah, so I'm based out of Bangalore in India. Wow. Yes. Amazing. That, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so how, do you, do you guys have any monkeys around you right now? Because I know when I was staying in India, I had a little monkey living over my hut and I kind of miss him still. <laughs> <laughs> which part which part were you uh, did you go to I was uh, staying in Goa and I was staying like close to the shore and there was this okay. adorable little monkey and he used to like um, throw objects down at us to get our attention uh-huh. it was amazing <laughs> cute yeah so um, so I stay in Bangalore so um, you know over here it, it's more kind of um, uh, it, it's more urban so we get to see very uh, you know little uh, or almost no wildlife around at least where I stay uh-huh. but yeah a little further away towards the country definitely <laughs> yeah it's such a massive um, country with so many different unique cultures and cities and it's so beautiful I can't wait to get back there one day yeah, same. I've never been to India and um, I'd love to visit. I'd love to, yeah, have an explore of some such a vibrant country. Yeah. Why did they call India the motherland? Do you know, Madhvi? Uh, uh, that's a good question. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so know call- <laughs> either. But like when you're there, you're like, this makes sense. It's the motherland. Yeah. It's like there's this peace about it. Yeah, even but though- I think motherland is a general... I feel like motherland is a general terminology for people who belong to India but are away. Ah. So, for for example, if I uh, like when I was in Australia, right, my motherland would be India. You know, that's yeah. where I'm from. Okay. And um, so I guess that's where the terminology motherland uh, comes from. Yeah. yeah. I okay. could be wrong, but I think this is what it is. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. I was um, living with a bunch of yogis in Ashala. So probably because India is the birthplace mm-hmm. of yoga, mm. it might be the motherland, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it definitely seems very peaceful right. and connected when you're there. Even though the, the cities are hectic and whatever, there's some sort of peace about it. Yeah. Peace of the chaos. Anyway, yeah. so you... I think... <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think India is very geographically diverse and culturally diverse as well. So, I mean, your experiences in, in different parts of India will be very, um, you know, different to perhaps another state or another city. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, it, it, it's different from, from every part. And that's what makes it unique. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's the states are very similar. Like you could visit Tennessee and have no idea what it's like in California, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just so culturally diverse. So tell us, what's it like growing up in a country of over a billion people? (laughs) Tell us. What what was your experience and how did you become the woman you are today? Yeah. So my parents are both doctors and, and you know, um, they kind of made sure that my sister and I um, are, are well educated. And that was kind of the cornerstone um, of, of um, us growing up, which is good education and doing well in school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, having said that, we had a pretty normal childhood, uh, like most kids. And um, as we grew up, what I realized is, you know, for me, um, I wasn't great at textbook education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I probably was the more, um, you know, uh, more troublesome compared to my sister for my parents. But um, I always kind of enjoyed learning things outside of the classroom. Um, but, uh, you know, having that translate into me uh, for, for my undergrad, I did engineering, wasn't very great, did it anyway, because, um, you know, those were the options available at that point. And it's not OK not to go to college here. Right. Um, yeah. At least with, with you know, <laughs> so um, my parents made sure of that. And I feel like, um, you know, in retrospect now, I feel like I'm glad I did it. Mm-hmm. But um Given a choice, I would have probably chosen a more not so mainstream, um, you know, subject of study, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So, you know, for engineering was all right. But what kind of really changed for me was um, when I decided to move overseas, that is when I decided to move to Australia uh, to further my education. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a master's. And more than that, really, I wanted to kind of have an independent life, you know, here we uh, live with our parents um, and we live with them. You know, uh, the norm is you live with them until you get married and, you know, you you go and live with your husband after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for me, I just wanted to really explore um, um, living alone and explore who, who am I, you know, what is out there. So I really wanted to do that. And um, so with, with as I applied to, um, to University of Technology, Sydney, I got in and um, soon after my um, engineering, I, I left. And I think uh, who I am today mostly comes from um, the experiences, of course, that I've had in the past, but also what I have learned to and unlearned uh, during my, mm. um, you know, during my stay in, in, in Australia, because yeah. I felt like uh, the power of independent thinking, the power of doing things on your own and then learning and unlearning and making mistakes, of course, is a part of the process, mm-hmm. right? You 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 embrace that and you move on. And I think that all these experiences, good and bad, uh, cumulative has kind of really uh, has made me, I, I would have never chosen entrepreneurship if I probably didn't have all these experiences yeah. that I did while I was in Australia. Was, um, was it... Like, was the fact that you were going to Australia to study the only way that your family would accept you being on your own and, like, living on your own somewhere? Like, if you would have been like, hey, I just want to go backpack there. Yeah. Would they have been okay with that? Or is it culturally, like, you just don't do that? Um, I think it would have been okay. I mean, it would have been a bit of a, um, I would say, struggle. uh, But Mm -hmm. I think it would have eventually been okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the goal is the goal was still to kind of uh, the goal was still to kind of uh, do something on my own without having to, um, you know, abide 
certain guidelines, let's say, yeah. or, you know, uh, abide by some sort of a structure. Like I just wanted to go figure out what is out there, um, you know, um, and, and I wanted to do it in, in my own way. And, and the way I thought that would be best was to kind of go out to pursue a higher education. And that's what most students uh, or most people, um, you know, who, who can, um, that's what they do. Yeah. And I think um, for me, that's that, that's what I knew back then, and and that's what I thought I should do. And it, that is, yeah, I think that's really smart. And you went and did an MBA. You went on to do an MBA at the at UTS mm-hmm. in Sydney. What was there anything in in that MBA or your experience that then started to inspire you to start Space Basic, or did that come a lot later in your career? I think definitely. So the way education is structured in Australia, um, at least of what I experienced, it was more practical and less kind of textbook driven, Mm -hmm. if I can say so, because it was more to do with real life experiences, with real practices. Like, for for example, uh, it could be, um, you know, uh, let's say... um, instead of uh, writing a paper, you actually go and intern somewhere, right? So mm-hmm. it gives you like real life experience. So, and at the end of the day, that's what matters, mm-hmm. um, regardless of how much ever we study. So I think, uh, you know, that my MBA course kind of had a good blend of that. One thing I wish I did study though was entrepreneurship, which was probably not a, a buzzword, I can say back then. Yeah. Um, like, like it is today. But um, having said that, I can't, I think what really helped me is, so I started working for an early stage startup uh, pretty soon. So um, as soon as I I, I, I landed a couple of months later, I was trying to apply for jobs. I found this job on Gumtree for intern, as an intern. I took it, I I interviewed, you know, um, and I was like probably the the third, third, fourth employee they hired. Hmm. And it was still a very early stage startup. And I think that's where my love for startups and the exposure to startups really began. So we built that company from scratch and I had yeah. great mentorship, um, you know, um, and it's very close knit, right? Like only a couple of people. So you understand things and you see things more closely. And uh, the company grew, um, you know, pretty well in, in, in four and a half years, got a couple of a couple um, of a hundred employees um, eventually got bought out, um, and we built kind of uh, critical mission critical applications for telcos and and I think that's where and I loved it. I loved doing many roles, you know, from door to door sales to project <laughs> management to all of it, and I loved it. Um, and, and you know, there came a stage where uh, things were kind of on autopilot, and you know, you're just like damn, I worked so hard. Now, what do I do? You know, because it's just like delegated. And I guess guess that's when I thought I should start my own company. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I was like, okay, how hard could it be? You have seen this uh, so closely. Um, So, you know, I I was like playing with the idea. And around that time, this is 2016, I got introduced to a woman entrepreneur in the Bay Area. So I was making a visit uh, from Sydney and I thought, you know, let me write to her, try to see if, if she could meet with me. Mm-hmm. And she's a successful entrepreneur um, who lives in, in the Bay Area. And she decided, you know, she said, OK. And we met at pa- Palo Alto. So I was in San Francisco for, for about a week. Yeah. And um, we met and she's of Indian origin, too. And um, she kind of she wants she wanted to do something um, in India, but 
being based out of California, you know, it, it was kind of limited in terms of how to uh, uh, contribute. Yeah. Um, so what happened was, um, you know, my goal was to kind of take that experience as a student that I had in Australia and kind of see if students back in India can also have similar experience, which is more digital, which is more student friendly and kind of uh, makes a student's life, a not, you know, more more simple without having a lot of kind of touch points. Yeah. And, and um, so she said yes. And that whole week we met like every single day. And by the time I left back to Sydney, I had a draft business plan to go. So I pretty much didn't do any sightseeing, which <laughs> was the goal of the trip. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I guess that's how Space Basic was born. So wow. no complaints there. And then, so this this lady, was she then your co-founder? Yes. So she is my co-founder. Yeah. And as soon as that happened, I, I moved back to Australia. I quit my job and I moved back to India. Um, and I decided to do some duty religions to see if this will stick or what yeah. problem are we really going to solve mm. um so that's that yeah that's how it all started and did you ever have like any reservations about working with a co-founder that you just met and how that relationship was going to work and the legalities of everything how did you feel about that and how did you solve that issue at the time um well for me I think I wasn't too worried about you know the logistics per se Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, um, you know, we were pretty, we agreed pretty much on, on uh, you know, what we each bring to the table. And um, um, my goal was really to have a mentor and a co-founder who can um, really kind of, um, you know, um, for a first time entrepreneur like me, kind of uh, nav- help me navigate, uh, mm-hmm. you know, through, through potential and pitfalls, right? Um, uh, first-time entrepreneur mistakes, you can say. So my goal was really to have somebody who's kind of been there, done that, and who can help kind of build this company uh, in a more structured and a, um, in, a, and in a quicker, kind of more effective way. Yeah. And I knew what, what she was going to bring to the table. And she knew, um, you know, well, she bet on me, if you think about it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, for, 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 I'm, a, I'm a first-time entrepreneur, you know, I'm just yeah. really kind of weathering the storm and fit it out so we we pretty uh, quickly kind of agreed to what um, what we will be doing and what we bring to the table so the whole kind of um uh, the whole kind of um interaction and and moving forward from there as well was very seamless right i mean there was it, it was almost fictionless so i think i got lucky in a way because uh, you know things like this which usually take takes uh, a bit of thinking through and, um, you know, uh, negotiation, et cetera, for us was was fairly seamless. Mm. Oh, that's great news. Okay. So, okay, so you went back to Bangalore and you wanted to kind of figure out whether you had a target market. Was there anything like this in India? Um, And then how did you go about kind of creating Space Basic? Um, So, you know, when we came here, I I really didn't know what problem I was going to solve. I mean, I had an idea, sure, but Mm. um, I didn't know if if, if that's going to work or or not. So um, we ended up, I would have spoken to about 50, 60 universities and schools and and, and parents and teachers and, you know, different kind of stakeholders from this ecosystem. And really, to kind of really understand, you know, what what is I mean? Well, question number one is, what is the you know what is a big problem that but mm-hmm. you know is really being a, a pain point for you? And and second is, will you pay us if we solve your problem? Right? Yeah. Um, so these were the two major questions. So 
um, we kind of saw we we kind of tumbled into a, a trend where we saw you know dormitories being managed very in a very ad hoc manner and in a very kind of manually driven um, processes. So from a very well-known university to a lesser known university, the processes were pretty similar. Um, you know, if you, if you, uh, if, if you think about it and mm-hmm. we kind of validated this through, we found three pilot customers who really wanted to, who, who we work with very closely and we found a lot of similarities. So we ended up building an MVP version of the product mm-hmm. and, um, once we did that, you know, we tweaked it, we tweaked it, and we kind of validated that with a couple of more customers. So yeah. by 2018, we kind of knew that we are, you know, solving a real pain point. So with Space Basic, what we do is we kind of digitize uh, everyday tasks mm-hmm. and everyday kind of communication that happens within student housing communities. Uh, for example, um, you know, it could be uh, an announcements or maintenance requests or check-in, check-outs or, you know, cafeteria uh, bookings and con- uh, meal consumption trends and, you know, things like that. So um, payments of, of, you know, all the services, so on yeah. and so forth. So things like that, which usually takes a lot of time to coordinate. Uh, you know, we're trying to just say, you know, try to do it with uh, automation and, you know, with a touch of a button or two. Wow. So then the the customers then, this is kind of like a B2B product with those student housing um, centers and universities and, and stuff like that. Um, you mentioned that you trialed this initially with a few, few mm-hmm. kind of initial customers. How then did you start to sign more of the hostels and student housing places up? So what we realized is, you know, the sales cycle for us was not too, not too um, intense. It mm-hmm. was a couple of days to maybe two, three weeks. And, um, uh, you know, w- what we realized it was a fairly simple sell. Um, and, and what that tells me is that there is a need in the market for a solution like this, or there is a problem that people are okay to use technology to solve. Mm-hmm. And um, so when we started so the way we kind of, um, you know, the way we kind of uh, figured out our sales cycle is we started selling to, uh, we started, you know, we had a list. Okay, so can I, will a customer of, let's say, uh, 500 students below buy it? Will a customer about 10,000 students buy it? Will it, What's our medium customer size, 1,000 to 2,000? How mm-hmm. long does that process? So we kind of really uh, stuck to a, 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 a mechanism where we kind of, uh, you know, figured out if we fit in most of these checks check boxes and what we learned is our product is best utilized with you know with customers who have a minimum of 100 150 students because below that um you know it's fairly simple to manage a, a lesser number so things like this learnings like this we kind of only uh, it came through by selling to different kind of uh you know different kind of customers uh, with with different um, you know uh, sizes of of I guess uh, student student population. Yeah, wow, that's smart. Just Did trial you... and error, see how it progresses. So, what is your? I mean, so you've learned all yeah. of this. You've kind of developed the product. You've evolved the product. What's the next thing? Like, what's on your list next for Space Basic, or yourself if it's something completely different? Well, um, I think with COVID, what we realized was um, the the whole kind of uh, way technology was adopted uh, kind of was was game changing in a lot of ways because I feel like education, the education sector was 
um, a little um, slow in terms of adopting technology, but at, at that point they had no choice, um, right? Everything was remote. So I think with COVID, um, this was well, there was a sense of kind of chaos, especially when that transition was happening where students had to go back home or communication had to be, they had to be communication and, you know, mm. things like that. So we saw that some of our customers ended up using our product for different use cases um, outside of off what we already had, for example, um, you know, um, broadcasts and, and, you know, announcements were sent to parents, you know, um, chat, the chat was used for different kind of um, communication that we've not seen outside of the hostel. It was more to do with universities and, you know, in class communication and things like that. And, um, we also had, um, you know, one. We we work with a medical medical um, um, university, um, a medical school, and they ended up using, um, you know, the product to kind of um, send roasters to students. I mean, to to medical students and doctors to who's on duty today and who's not. So we saw all these different use cases come up um, during COVID, mm-hmm. and we thought, hey, why not kind of um, open up some of uh, the, the the offerings we have to the entire kind of, um, you know, university or school. So that's what we're trying to do. We also are trying to kind of see if, um, you know, if we can, Space Basic could be geographically used outside of India as well, because I believe that, um, you know, there is, there's a need for a more, you know, easy to use and um, kind of, um easy to you know every to do everyday task kind of a communication platform um you know within educational institutions globally um because i feel like a lot of our you know we say this that our our mission is to make sure that educate educators and administrators uh, administrators spend less time on tasks and more time with students because um, their goal is to make sure that you know they they uh, kind of mold these students into to successful um, you know successful um, um, you know citizens of the future so mm-hmm. they cannot be spending a lot of their time on on doing repetitive tasks and repetitive work on a day to day basis. Yeah. Do you feel like COVID might have actually helped your business growth? In that sense. Um, I think uh, in terms of adoption, definitely. I, I feel like, you know, people now are going to be less resistant to adopting technology in general, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of what we see during COVID. So definitely in terms of technology adoption, in terms of acceptance of SaaS solutions, um, I think uh, COVID is kind of... Um, you know, increase the possibility than it used to be pre-COVID. Yeah. And I mean, you have now grown to over 200,000 users on the Space Basic platform, which is really impressive. Um, How did you kind of scale to that level and what are your um, plans to scale even more? And how can I ask, how many educational institutions does that um, encompass? Sure. So today we work with around 70 um, universities, schools, colleges, um, you know, gotcha. um, who, uh, as, who we consist as a customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and all these users come from the 70 plus, uh, you know, customers that we have today. Mm-hmm. And um, our goal really is to kind of impact a million users' lives with co- with Space Basic. Mm-hmm. And that's our goal. And we're we hope to achieve that goal this year um, in 2021. Wow. 
Lofty goal. How are you going to do it? <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I think the good thing is uh, we've we've received, we're kind of receiving a lot of inbound sales requests, but I also feel like we want to scale up in terms of, um, you know, uh, feet on the street. Um, we want to kind of, you know, kind of beef up technology and kind of really scale in terms of teams as well as in, in, in terms of outreach. Um, so we're able to kind of need to reverse engineer what is it going to take to, to reach a million users in terms of, you know, outreach and, and, and team. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just chase after it. Perfect. Beautiful. And you also, we have to honorably mention that you're in the Forbes Asia 30 under 30. That's that's an amazing achievement. How did you feel when you saw that you were mentioned in that? Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, Forbes Asia 30 under 30 was, was so great. Um, I feel like that's every entrepreneur's like almost, okay, let me say almost every <laughs> entrepreneur's kind of like bucket list yeah. <laughs> to be if you're under 30 and you start a company, it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's on our bucket list by default. And I was very, honestly, I didn't think I would make it. Um, I was, I had, uh, you know, some friends nominate me because I was like, uh, should I even apply? I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, so they did. And turns out that, um, you know, um, I was featured on the 30 out of 30. So what wow. that taught me is, uh, my takeaway from that was never to kind of discount, uh, an opportunity and you should just try regardless of the outcome. I mean, I feel like that was my learning from this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because what is the risk, really? Like, it's like, if you don't make it, you don't make it. You know what I mean? You go through the application process and you don't make it and that's it, right? Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you make it and made it. And um, you spoke to the United Nations. What was that about? Yeah, so um, that was great. So we there's a uh, the United Nations UNITAR actually training and research has has a program which mm-hmm. is one M twenty thirty, which is um, you know um, their goal is to have a, a million youth leaders by twenty thirty. I love that. I mean, you know, the youth is the future, and they are the ones who are going to create jobs and create employment and all of that. And I, I love that. And um, you know, so um, nine nine uh, youth speakers were were selected from around the world to go and talk about how are we going to help achieve this and via our businesses. And um, you know, I happen to be one of them, and we got invited to speak at the United Nations in Geneva, and that was a such a great experience. Oh, that's incredible. That is so cool. Mm. Well, Mavi, it has been amazing speaking with you. And it's also been amazing hearing the wonderful sounds of Bangalore in the background <laughs> and how lively and amazing it is. I actually, <laughs> so I miss India so much now. Um, uh, yeah, you've just accomplished so much. And wow, I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you both. And, um, you know, I I love hearing your podcast. Actually, I heard the last three and, you know, I, ca- I can't I can't wait to hear more. So uh, congratulations on this. And thank, thank you. you so much for having me as well. Yeah, thank of course. You. We've reached out and connected with you on every platform, I'm pretty sure. So <laughs> we'll chat soon. Yeah. <laughs> soon. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. 
Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.